Welcome to the Transcend Health Podcast, where we aim to entertain, educate, and empower our listeners to move beyond pain and injury. Stay tuned to hear interesting conversations about rehabilitation, movement, strength and fitness, plus lots of advice to get you moving and feeling your best. Hello listeners and welcome to the Transcend Health Podcast. I'm one of the physios here, Luke, and I'm sitting down with co-owner of the business and exercise physiologist, Jackie Allenson. Thanks for having me, Luke. It's nice to be on the podcast. (laughs) Don't get my voice heard all that often on this thing, so it's nice to be able to sit down and have a chat. Okay, so today we're talking um, everything about women's cycles and in particular um, training around your cycle. Yeah. So I guess first question is, can you give us an overview of the four phases of a woman's cycle? Absolutely. And um, like this is super topical at the moment. So there's lots of resources around. So this is just going to be a short little snippet of the four phases. So there are four phases start with uh, the first part, which is menses or the bleed. We move then into follicular phase, then ovulation, and the fourth phase is luteal. So our menstrual cycle is our first phase because it's kind of the first physical symptom. It's considered the fifth vital sign. So it's now considered as if you don't have it, that's you're missing one of your vital signs. Um, and it is, it's, a, it's the bleed. It's when we're shedding the, the lining of our uterus because we weren't impregnated. Um, then our follicular phase comes next. And what happens in this phase is um, we start, so in our menses, we have a really low um, estrogen and progesterone level. So that's, that's a baseline at its lowest. And through our follicular phase, we have an increase of our main sex hormone estrogen. And as we progress closer and closer to our ovulation, which in a textbook cycle is about day 14, we see not only that rise in estrogen to its peak, but we have a peak in our follicular stimulating hormone and our luteinizing hormone, which come through from the pituitary gland. Uh, This stimulates ovulation or the the egg to be released from the follicle that's been matured from having the the estrogen building up over the last 14 days. Um, And then ovulation is more of an event than a few days. So it's only a few hours, maybe 36 hours. um, And this is our peak um, uh, of our estrogen. Estrogen then plummets, luteinizing hormone and follicular stimulating hormone. Also just they spike and go straight back down again. And in the next two weeks of the cycle, in the luteal phase, we see an increase in our progesterone. So it comes up into a bit of a bump and then fades off towards the end. And our estrogen also comes up, but not quite as high as our follicular phase. Um, And yeah, what happens with that phase is after the uh, egg is released from the follicle in ovulation, the follicle that has erupted has become the corpus luteum. The corpus luteum is what produces progesterone and that is meant to create a supportive environment for a potential baby. So that's doing all the things that help support looking after a baby, including increasing our energy demand, making us feel a little bit more lethargic. That's all the PMS symptoms that come from is high progesterone in the body. And um, after a few days, so about halfway through or two thirds of the way through that luteal phase when our hormones start dropping off again is because the body recognizes oh actually sorry false alarm you're not pregnant and it starts to disintegrate and reabsorb back into the body 
then everything comes back down to that baseline level and we start to bleed again and the whole cycle starts again. Um, that's a normal healthy textbook cycle. Of course, it doesn't take into account hormonal contraception or any um, uh, hormonal issues like PCOS or fibroids or endometriosis, but healthy cycle in a nutshell. So you spoke a lot about all the changes in different hormones. Yes. How does that affect um, someone's energy levels at the different stages? Okay, so it is going to be individual and I highly recommend for any women listening that they, they do track their cycle because it is like people will have different symptoms at different times and experience it in different ways. Um, usually with the low hormones, so low estrogen and low progesterone, we do feel a touch more lethargic. We don't really feel like we want to go out and do things and take on the world. However, uh, my personal experience is that's still a higher energy phase than the luteal phase. And from what I've read is that it's that luteal phase, that high progesterone phase, so phase four, where we're feeling the most lethargic. We want to uh, go and do more of like the gentle walking or we want to stay in bed with a cup of tea and watch Netflix, um, not particularly motivated. We feel a bit heavier, being motivated is harder, um, mood seems lower. Uh, what else? Yeah, legs feel heavy. It's just harder to perform well, particularly on strength. Uh, so lifting heavy things, picking heavy things up, putting them down again, any kind of performance, yeah. sprinting, um, where you really want to put in a hard effort, that's going to be impacted from energy. Uh, energy this, that's the word I'm looking for. <laughs> Experience of lower energy levels in that phase. Yeah. When progesterone drops, there seems to be a bit of an increase in energy. It's kind of like a, oh, thank God, I feel a bit more normal now. And we see that energy will continue to increase up to ovulation, which is where we get that peak energy. We are going to perform our best. We're going to have the most energy available to perform well. And it's been linked to, well, that's when you're ovulating. So that's when you're out looking for a mate. So you're going to have plenty of energy to go out and create a baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you mentioned um, tracking your cycle. Mm -hmm. Do you suggest doing that through an app or have you got other ways that you could suggest someone start so, to do that? I personally like using an app because it's really easy and I've used several apps over the years. The one I've stuck with consistently is called Clue app. Um, I've been using that since 2014. Uh, there's one that has been brought out by Stacey Sims and her team called wild.ai, which has been pretty good. It's got links to um, more of the, the physiology, so training and nutrition, with a few little tips and tricks along the way. There's Fit Our Women, which has come out of, uh, I think it's Georgie Brunvels in the UK and her team, and uh, that's also more of a sports physiology style tracker. I found that was a little bit more clunky than the others. And then there's heaps of other apps you can use for whether you're trying to fall pregnant or just track. You can also just use a pen and paper, your normal diary, your calendar in Google, whatever works. So as long as you're counting the days and keeping like making notes of symptoms. Yeah. So when you're tracking that uh, personally, how do you structure your training around your cycle? Um, I suppose I have a baseline program. So uh, I have a running program that was written for me by my coach as well as a strength program that I wrote for myself personally. And I consider that my baseline program. So that's my everything all good, nothing to consider. That's what I'm gonna do. On the days where I am feeling really good, so that would generally be in that first half of the cycle, I might go put a bit extra effort in. So I'll look at increasing weights. I'll look at, um, I'll drop the number of reps down and do 
more sets of heavier reps. Um, with my sprint efforts or my running efforts, I will put a lot more effort in. I'll go seek out stairs, I'll go seek out hill repeats and I'll go do just one or two extra sets or I'll do a, an extra Sunday afternoon session. Um, and I'll continue that in that first week. And that's very much based on other factors as well, like have I slept well, have I eaten well, am I stressed out this week because of oh, one of the owners here, so you get stressed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, then in the back half of the cycle, in the luteal phase, I'll, I'll modify it so I might only put 80% effort into the training sessions as at this baseline. In strength sessions, I might do what I call as a grease the groove or blow out the cobwebs, just come through and do the movements as opposed to completely leaving it on the table. Yeah. Um, I find that keeping my program the same and adjusting the sets and reps and weights to match how I'm feeling gives me a bit more consistency that suits my, I suppose, my methodical checklist style i know that i'm tracking well in my program i'm doing the movements to make a difference but i don't have to go do a strength session in my luteal phase and then go do like some yin yoga class in my luteal sorry yeah my follicular phase doing strength training then yin yoga in my luteal phase i don't need to change my program that much i just need to be aware of tweaking it to make it suit how i'm feeling on the day yeah and i think that's good advice and what you touched on like there are so many other factors um, that would affect your energy levels such mm. as how much sleep you've had and um, stress levels and mm. your nutrition so I guess this is just another thing to be aware of um, yeah. so that yeah if you do turn up to the gym and you are feeling super low you can kind of look at where you are tracking in your cycle and um, mm. notice that to be a factor. And certainly I'm a fan of like keeping things um, simple or a minimalist approach. If I have a program, I don't feel that I need to change it entirely to suit where I'm at. I just need to tweak a few things. Like I said, I, I might just do a lighter day. I might bring my weights back 10% and do 10 reps instead of eight. And I might do three sets instead of five sets. Um, and I find that just gives me a bit more of a, yeah, like I said, consistency. Yeah. without having to throw the baby out with the bathwater and go, I can't strength train because I'm in my luteal phase. Yeah. I can strength train, I'm just going to adapt it. Yeah. And we obviously have a lot of female clients here. Mm. Um, what kind of tips or advice do you give them or do you yeah, talk about this and, and structure their training the same way as you do for yourself? I probably don't have as much say in the structure of their program. So a lot of them I don't see, I suppose, particularly in our class setting, that they might float between myself and you guys um, from week to week. But when I do have them and they say things like, oh, I'm feeling really lethargic today or I you know, don't know what's wrong with me, I'm super tired. Or on the flip side, I feel great, I feel so strong, can I put the weights up? Or they did that the previous week and now they're like, why is this so hard? I'll have a chat to them about, well, what's life been like lately and bring their cycle into that so I can help to temper whatever they might be beating themselves up about because usually they are like what's wrong with me as opposed to um, questioning like what other factors external to me could be impacting this so I, I try to bring them into like there's there's things that are going to be happening physiologically in your body um, let's change this today let's do this slightly different today how about you increase the weights here drop the weights there or maybe try this different exercise altogether and it's more of a I suppose ad hoc if there needs to be something that changes we change it we make a note of it and then the next time they come around to that part of their cycle I'll tell them like have it you know track where you're up to have you got an app on your phone do you know where you're up to 
and um, just giving them that little bit of information that can give them a bit more power around their body where they're reliant on themselves and they're reliant on their own body intuition instead of some external person telling them you have to lift this weight today yeah and maybe just don't feel so hard on yourself when you do come in and yeah you can't do what you did the previous week yeah absolutely and i think it's um yeah certainly don't be hard on yourself women are definitely good at that (laughs) yeah and how does the like contraceptive pill or any other contraceptives um like affect these different phases yeah so there's there's lots of different contraceptions and this is as a like so lots lots and lots and lots of contraception exists it's a very complex multifaceted topic and it's going to be dependent on what type you're taking so are you on the pill do you have marina as a intrauterine device do you have the nuva ring um, are you on the injections do you have the implant um, they're all going to be different hormones so some of them are just progesterone some of them are a mix of estrogen and progesterone some of them are monophasic so it's just the same dose across the entire course of treatment some of them are diphasic triphasic and quadphasic there are different generations of hormones so some of the earlier progesterones are going to have more of a um, like more of a chance to have acne and hair growth whereas the newer ones are going to be less likely to have acne and hair growth so it really comes down to well, what do you want firstly but secondly what all of those hormonal contraceptive options do is it overrides your natural hormonal cycle so you don't have a natural cycle you don't get to benefit from any of the hormone fluctuations through your cycle um, and you don't even have a bleed or you don't even have menses you have what's called a withdrawal bleed so even on the pill when you take the sugar pill it's not a real period you haven't ovulated and um so you don't get any of those benefits of peaking with ovulation, having increased energy and um, more power and more strength. Um, yeah, you just kind of end up flatlining everything. Yeah, okay. So I guess that would just be a conversation to have with your doctor or, um, yeah, just do a bit more research into those hormones and yeah, well, even the, how it affects, yeah. The, ho- the research around hormonal contraception is almost exclusively done in the, in the pill, which is interesting. And then there's not any um, real way to identify in those studies, well, were they on, or what kind of pill were they on? What, was it a you know, fourth generation diaphasic pill or was it a third generation quadphasic pill? And you've got none of that information available to you. So we're really starting, this is where the research is getting some grounds on. We're finding more and more out about it, which is a great thing because if we're going to give women advice around their hormonal contraception, we don't really know what it does. And quite often they're put on the pill, not for a contraception reason, but for like, oh, you don't get your period. So we're going to put you on this to try and jumpstart your hormones. Or we're going to put you on this because you have bad skin. And quite often GPs don't know a lot about what's going on with the pill or the hormonal contraception that a woman's on and they've been put on it for a reason that's not been sport related or performance related. It's been, again, acne or it's a form of contraception or whatever. Yeah. So do you have any anything else that you'd like to share before <laughs> we close this one up? <laughs> so this, this is a very broad and very new area. It's something that over the next 5, 10, 20 years, it'd be exciting to see how this changes because I do think that with the research that we do have and the bodies invested in this, we should see that women are reaching their natural athletic potential in a much more exciting way. And um, I think 
that's just going to be a, you know, we'll see how, see how the environment evolves over the next 10, 20 years and watch this space. I'm still learning yeah. and I'm trying to educate with people as, as I go. Yeah. <laughs> and anyone that's listening to this, um, yeah, reach out to, to Jackie um, yeah. in the gym and pull her aside because she is, yeah, has a lot of knowledge around this topic and yeah, if you want to get educated on it, then yeah. she's, she's your girl. And you can also look up some other resources. So myself and a di- local dietitian, Beck Haslam, have a page called The Effects of the Menstrual Cycle Project, or e- it's at EMC underscore project on uh, Instagram. Um, we are trying to put out some more information where we have possible, we've done some webinars and some education pieces, but ultimately it came back to, uh, it has still continued to come back to educating women how to track their cycle and understanding their symptoms so they can make the decisions for themselves about how they need to alter their training. Um, So if you want more information, that's another place that you can reach out. Very good. Well, we might leave that one here. Yes. Thanks everyone for listening and we'll catch you on the next one. Excellent. Thanks for listening to the Transcend Health Podcast. Please share this episode with someone who might find it helpful. And don't forget to hit subscribe so that you don't miss out on future episodes.